Hebrews 11, verse 30 to verse 40. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David and also Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about and sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promised, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And our Heavenly Father, chapter on faith. I entitled the, the message, What Shall We More Say? What shall we more say? That was the question that uh, uh, Paul asked as he thought about all the examples of faith that we have in the Old Testament. And uh, we see it uh, demonstrated in a number of ways here. We've looked at the faith of several uh, great uh, uh, soldiers of the cross in the past. We finished last week with uh, Moses and how that by faith his parents uh, saw that he was a proper child and how by faith God used him uh, to uh, bring the people out of Egypt and across the Red Sea and all of that. And uh, now we've reached down to that place where we've crossed over the Jordan River and we're in the promised land and we're uh, looking by faith to see what God will do in the conquering of the promised land. And here we read in the 30th verse of how the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So not talking in this passage about any one particular individual's faith. It's talking about a, a corporate faith, a, a, the faith of a, a body of people, uh, the uh, people of Israel. Uh, and uh, they're referred to in Acts chapter 7, I believe it is. Uh, uh, Luke in the book of Acts chapter 7 refers to them as the church in the wilderness there. That body of uh, saints that were following after the man of God, Moses, and, and uh, baptized unto him, as the scripture says, through the Red Sea and, and into that uh, place where now they've uh, come by faith to, uh, to the first uh, obstacle in their way, the walled city of Jericho. And so God gives them the uh, assignment and they're to follow his word, even though he, what he tells them to do is, uh, is an unlikely military strategy. It's not something that you would... Uh, Imagine a military army doing, but it says the men of war were called out to 
a march around the city seven times. And not only that, they were to take the chaplains with them. We've got uh, one of our prison chaplains here uh, uh, that's uh, with us. Brother Jesus is uh, here. He's in the, uh, in the prison ministry and, and uh, dropped by to worship with us tonight. But uh, that's what they did. They had their chaplains or their priests, as it were in this case. And they're going to carry the Ark of God, which uh, is the, uh, you know, has the tables of the, of the Ten Commandments in there represents the word of God. They're going to take the ark of God. They're going to carry it around. They're going to be some uh, trumpeters as we have in our orchestra. They're, they're there too, and they're uh, blowing horns, and they're walking in circles around the city, around the city. Not a, uh, not a strategy that you'll find in the military manuals on how to conquer a city. It's not there, uh, but uh, God told them this is the way we're going to do it, and they stepped out by faith and said, well, God, we're going to trust you for, that, for this, we're going to do this. We're going to do what you've said. So here's a body of believers. We, we can say faith can be exercised corporately as well. We as a church have that same opportunity, don't we, to exercise faith corporately as a body of believers and trust God uh, to use us to do the things that he wants us to do. Out of this body of believers, God has raised up uh, some that have surrendered and gone off to plan and prepare for the ministry and some that are in the ministry now. And we thank the Lord for those that are going. We uh, we uh, ask your continued prayers for those that are uh, preparing or on their way. I think of uh, Brother Kyle Rodiker heading for Poland and uh, in the process now working in uh, New York City with the Polish population there and uh, trying to acquire the language and so on like that. And uh, thank God for Brother Kyle. And then uh, uh, we have uh, Brother Keith, Keith uh, was it Durham? Morris. Keith Morris. Okay, Keith Morris. Brother Morris uh, there. I don't know how I got Durham out of Morris, but... Uh, <laughs> Brother Keith, Keith Morris was speaking with me before. They have family here in the Menifee area, came to visit. Uh, and he's uh, headed for the mission field as well, but was in a meeting recently with one of our own, another one of our own, Annalise Patrick. Uh, Annalise is uh, preparing with her husband to go to uh, Kenya, I believe it is, or is it uh, Nigeria? That's Nigeria uh, that they're going to. And so in the process of getting ready to, uh, to uh, uh, begin their, their deputation work, they'll be with us uh, this fall. And so uh, Brother uh, Morris was with them in a meeting recently and mentioned that. He had met uh, uh, Annalise Patrick, and so one of, another one of our own. We thank God for that. And as a body of believers, corporately, we're praying for them. We're, we're supporting them. We're looking forward to being part of those ministries as they go out. And, if, of course, this is an exercise in faith. We, we are trusting God to do things that we don't see yet coming to pass. But that's what's happening here, this corporate Body of believers exercising faith. And then we find another thing that we just read about, faith being exercised or faith coming, examples of faith coming from very unlikely quarters. As we read on down here, we read about a resident of, uh, of that town of Jericho. And it is in verse 31, we are, uh, we are reminded of the harlot Rahab. Now, the quarters of a harlot does not seem a likely place where faith would come from. But I uh, thank God for what God did through the life of this uh, once harlot, now a child of God. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So here we're given the indication that this harlot Rahab believed on the Lord and trusted in his word. And you can read about her testimony there when you go back to uh, 
Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6, and you can read the testimony of this woman who heard of the, uh, of the work of God among the people of Israel, and she uh, testified that she understood that God was with them. And then when the spies came along, she exercised her opportunity to hear the truth and, and uh, obviously trusted in the God of the spies from Israel and the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who was represented by uh, the people of Israel. Obviously, she trusted in them, for she stepped out by faith. She hid the spies. She took her uh, life into her own, uh, into her hands in doing that, and she trusted that God would deliver her. She had heard the word that her city was going to be taken, that her city was going to be destroyed, that her people were going to be judged, and she escaped that judgment by faith. And so here's the city uh, walls all come tumbling down, as the song says, except for one section. And as you read about it, you see that Rahab's house was built into the wall. It was, I mean, the wall of the city was one wall of her house. And the, up on the second floor there, uh, of the wall of the city, there was a window out looking, and, and uh, it was her building that was part of that. That's the only section of the wall that did not come down because God had uh, told the spies to tell her that if she would stay there and uh, bring her family there, her mother and her father and her brothers and her sisters, that they would be safe there. Now, all that was by faith because these two spies knew the walls were going to come down and uh, they, these two spies knew that the city was condemned, that, that the people were going to be taken. And so uh, all of this was by faith that uh, they're telling her, this part of the wall will stand and your house will remain and if you'll stay in the house, uh, you put the scarlet thread out the window and our troops will know not to uh, molest you and not to harass you and not to attack you. Our troops will know that you are the one who helped us uh, to escape when we were being pursued by the enemy. And so uh, all of that was uh, an exercise of faith on Rahab's part. So it's an unlikely source of faith, but thank God. Uh, anyone who trusts the Word of God and, and uh, allows the Word of God to, to do that work in their life can exercise that same faith. So faith was there. She was signifying it by her aid to the Israeli spies. She was signifying it by a brand new concern. I don't see that Rahab as a harlot was very concerned about what her mom and dad thought before this. Certainly a, a grief, uh, it would be a grief of mind to her mother and father to think that uh, she had sold herself to do this and to make her living in that fashion. And certainly it would be an embarrassment to her brothers and sisters uh, before that. Certainly there wouldn't have been a real cordial relationship with Rahab and her family up to that time. But we discovered that with this new heart she has, she has a deep concern for her mother and her father and her brothers and her sisters. She asks that they might be spared as well. And so the spies give her the uh, insight, yes, bring them into the house where you are and they will be spared as well. I see the real testimony of her faith in the change that has come in her heart and the desire for others to be spared and the love for her uh, family who she had before scorned and had no concern about. Uh, now all of that's changed. So thank God that faith can come out of unlikely sources. There's another unlikely source that we read about there too as we read down through 
we, yes, we read of uh, Samson and David and, and Samuel and so forth, and we would think that something uh, would be said about their faith because it was demonstrable. And uh, so we'd understand that, but uh, here's Jephthah in the picture as well. Now, Rahab has been uh, labeled as Rahab the harlot. Here's Jephthah, the son of a harlot. And here, again, God takes a, a, a man who is driven out by his own kin because of where he came from and who he was and who his mother was. He's driven out by his own, his own half-brothers and sisters, and the Scripture uh, indicates to us what he did after that, that he became sort of a wild man. He was with a vain company of persons, and uh, he assembled himself in places that were certainly not uh, places that uh, uh, anyone that's looking for the blessing of God would be. And yet, uh, in the midst of all that, by the grace of God, Jephthah is called back, and he is asked to lead the people of Israel to a victory over the Ammonites, and he does that. Uh, he is a military strategist. He's, a, uh, he's capable. He's a rough man. He's a hard man. But he's the kind of man that needs to lead Israel in this time against the Ammonites, and he does. You read uh, of the faith that must be required by Jephthah when he's going against a much superior army, and he's doing it in a condition where his people, the people he's uh, defending the people he's leading are those that have had their weapons taken away from them and, and uh, have been oppressed for a good deal of time. So Jephthah obviously is going to have to do whatever he does with the faith of God behind it. And so we see Jephthah exercising faith here. Uh, another unlikely channel of faith, and yet God has used him in a, remar in a remarkable way. And you, you, uh, you see that, uh, uh, that uh, Paul, as he's writing, he says, well, what more, what more can I say? What else can I add to this? And he thinks of Gideon and the 300 that he went against the great army of the Midianites with, and God gave victory by faith. He thinks of Barak and Deborah and the uh, armies of Sisera and how that God delivered in that case and the faith that was required there. He thinks of Samson, who was a man who lived for his own passions for a good part of his life, but when it's all said and done, uh, Samson took down more of the Philistines in his death than he did in his life. And so uh, Samson had periods in his life where he exercised faith, and especially at the end of his life when he had realized all that he had lost and all that he'd given away and how God used Samson to bring down uh, the, uh, the Philistines. And at that point, the, the, uh, the Israelites were, uh, gained the ascendancy. And so the, the faith of Samson, we might, uh, might expect that. We see Samuel in there and David in there. We know Samuel. We know David. We know that they're men of faith and, and that. But yet with all that, with all that, we know too that Samuel had his failings and David had his failings. Yet we read of them in this, what we have come to call the hall of faith. We read of them there and see their example of faith. And we see that the Lord is challenging us to follow such an example as that in the area of faith. So, um, you know, all they did that was good and right and holy and just, all they did in those categories was done by faith. And as the hymn goes, faith is the victory that overcometh the world. And so all of these victories that were, uh, we read about, the things that they did, the happy uh, and joyous and victorious things, we are thrilled with those. We like the idea of the things that are said there, that they subdued whole kingdoms, that they wrought righteousness. 
something that is wrought is something that is worked hard and heated and hammered and bent to conform to its useful purpose. And so they wrought righteousness and, and they obtain promises and they stop the mouths of lions. We think of David when he uh, fought the lion and, and, uh, and killed the bear. And we think they stopped the mouth of lions. We think of Daniel uh, there in the den of lions, how that God by Daniel's faith, stopped the mouths of the lions. And he said they quenched the, they quenched the violence of fire. And we are reminded of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego as there is a fourth man like unto the Son of God walking with them in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Quench the violence of fire. And we think that, that's what I want, the, the victories of faith. And thank God for those. for their, They are there, and they are there as our example that, it goes on and says they escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong. They waxed valiant in the fight. And they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And we're all, yeah, that's what we want. The victories that come with faith and the victories that are associated with, uh, with a strong faith. And, and those are all good things. Those are all there. You see that the references are to even those that had their children brought back from the dead to life. And we think of Elisha uh, and the Shunammite woman and her son. How Elisha was used of God and by faith was uh, trusting God to give life back to a lifeless body. And yes, indeed, these victories of faith are there too. But then there's another category that is added. It's in the hall of faith yet, and, and yet uh, these are the unknown and unnamed. They're here in this hall of faith. They're the persons that, uh, whose faith was just as valid as the faith of those mighties that we have read about, whose faith was just as real, whose faith was just as dependent upon God and upon his word, and yet they're in a different class here. They're the others, the others that we read about here, and we see them down as we go on down, and we're we're not as uh, we're not as excited to identify with their faith as we would have been to identify with the faith of those we've been talking about. But look what uh, God has to say about it here as we read on down through there. They're the they're the these others, these others that are here, and um, starting down in about verse. Um, 36, and others, others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging, moreover bonds and imprisonment, and so all of these things are not, are not uh, the victories of faith, are they? they? They were stoned and sawn asunder, and they were tempted, and they were slain with the swords, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, and they were afflicted, and they were tormented. That's not the crowd we want to be. We don't want to be there, but I want to tell you something. God saw something in these unknown and unnamed that he didn't say about the rest of them. And on down you read it. He stops Paul's writing for a moment. Paul's in tears at this time. He's knowing, Paul's knowing who, who the Holy Spirit is talking about as he writes these words down, these destitute, these afflicted, these ones that wander about in goatskins and sheepskins, the, the tormented. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit t stops Paul and he says, I want you to put a parenthesis right here, Paul. Put a parenthesis right here in our, our discussion of these unknown and unnamed. Now write this about them. 
he says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. Put the other side of your parentheses there, Paul, and now go on. But he's not said that about anyone else's faith, but he has about these unknown, unnamed Christians, these unknown children of God who suffered all of the uh, things that they suffered as a result of their faith in God. They trusted God and trusted God, and they didn't, they didn't receive the promise. They didn't, uh, in their lifetime, get the deliverance. They didn't, in their uh, time frame, receive the help uh, and the, uh, the victories and the putting to flight of the armies of the aliens. No, they were overrun. They were overwrought. They were killed and slain and slaughtered and tortured and murdered and, and t- sawn asunder. And yes, it wasn't, it's not a pretty picture. Uh, but uh, God says of that crowd of whom the world was not worthy because their faith, their faith was tested in the fires they were, the world's not worthy of such a, such a crowd as that. They, they are the ones that deserve the real uh, praise and the real applause. It's these in this second category who have earned God's highest praise. Well, it wasn't David, and it wasn't Samuel, and it wasn't Samson, and it wasn't the army of Israel, and it wasn't the great judges of Israel, and it wasn't the prophets, and it wasn't Daniel. It was unnamed and unknown persons who were subjected to these kind of unthinkable tortures who were subjected that way and yet remained faithful. They did not recant their faith. They did not turn their backs on it. They did not worship at the, uh, at the, uh, uh, at the uh, halls of idolatry. No, they remained uh, faithful and received God's highest praise. If you want to be in the category of one or the other when you stand before God, uh, the, the greatest rewards and the highest praise is going to this unknown and unnamed crowd. And so uh, it is. It's an example for us. It, it's a challenge for us. It is a testament to us. The Bible says they obtained a good report. Oh, they got all A's on their report card. <laughs> yeah. All A's. David didn't get all A's on his report card. He had some F's. He had some failures. Uh, He had some of those. Samuel had some F's on his report card. Uh, Yes, they they didn't get all A's, but these folks did. This crowd did. This unnamed, unknown uh, crowd, they got all A's. And then God says something remarkable here as uh, we get down to the 40th verse, the 39th and 40th. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They got the good report through faith, but they didn't receive the promise as yet. They're still waiting on it. They were still waiting on it when they died. But God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. God has uh, provided a better thing for us. And the whole of the book of uh, Hebrews, as we've been seeing, was how that God is talking about the better thing that is ours in Jesus Christ. The better way, the better covenant, the better walk, the better life, the better opportunities, and the, uh, the, all of these things that are ours. And he says with that crowd there, they were waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, which was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We look back on the fulfilled promise and thank God for it, but now we uh, have a connection with those that are unknown and unnamed. Many of us will live through this uh, era of our lives and we'll die and we'll be buried in the generation following. We'll carry on if the Lord tarries 
And many of us will become unknown and unnamed, but uh, if we exercise faith and trust God's word and live by the, uh, the promises of God, we too can join that company of those that God, with whom God was well pleased. We can get some, some A's on our report card. I, I tell you, we, all, we all, want, all want a desire to have some A's on a report. We all, all ought to desire a good report, you know, a good report. Um, I wasn't such a bright student in school, and so I often brought home a report that was not so good, you know. Uh, Wendy was a bright student in school, but her report card always said she's a good girl and she gets good grades, but she talks too much. So, <laughs> so uh, I ha we have her report cards there. So she, uh, you know, she got that on her, uh, on her section at the end where the teacher says the words, you know. And mine was always, you know, Billy's not too bright, but he's a nice, quiet student, you know. So, <laughs> so, so. Uh, but I want to get a good report in glory. I want the Lord to have some A's on my report card and say, you know, you, you messed up a little bit and you were a knucklehead sometimes, but uh, you did try to live by faith. And so, uh, and so, so uh, here's, your, here's your report card. But uh, look at verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 2 there. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the completer, the perfecter, you might say, of our faith. The one who did the perfecting that they were waiting for there. See, And look at verse 23. Uh, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. This is chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Oh, we're going to have all the warts removed and all the... Uh, uh, all of the bad things that we are embarrassed and ashamed about in our life and our past, all that's going to be erased. One day, Rahab the harlot's not going to be known that way anymore. She's just going to be known as Rahab the sister in Christ, you know. What a blessing that will be that day when that day comes. And, and we have all of our, all of the past is, is gone, and, and uh, there's only perfection, perfection. All of us perfected in Christ. Uh, everybody looking at one another in the bond of perfection, as the book of Ephesians tells us, the bond of perfection. What a day that will be and what a victory that will be. But the ones that uh, are going to, I think, enjoy it the most are the ones that we're talking about here, these unnamed, unknown soldiers of the cross that uh, nobody remembered and everybody forgot about that uh, died without receiving the promise, died looking for the Lord to deliver them, but not being delivered as yet, but now they're there. Oh, uh, yeah, they're going to be the ones that have the greatest cause for rejoicing and glorifying Christ and, and uh, honoring him, putting the crown on his head. They're going to be the crowd that's, uh, that's going to be leading the way in that praise like we've been doing today. They're, they're the ones, and so thank God for that crowd. That, thank God that we get to be connected with them, that we, you know, that we, uh, they said without us, they're not, they're not made perfect. The, the, the circle's not yet complete, and so I thank God that we have that uh, blessing of uh, fulfilling that. Well, that, you know, you think, well, that's the old days a long time ago, but I want to tell you, I want to read as we close uh, just one testimony of a lot more recent times than that. Someone who's just like this kind of people, someone that we d I don't even have their names here, uh, but uh, I do have the testimony of Pastor Earl E. Lee, who was in Russia in 1991 and gave this testimony. I want to read it to you because I don't want to miss anything in it. And this, uh, with this, we'll conclude the message. I want to challenge you to think about the fact that here's some uh, young ladies that um, 
have the same kind of testimony as, as these. They're looking at it on the other side of the promise. They've already seen the promise of Christ. But there are some young ladies that would not forsake the Lord and would not recant and would not uh, violate their faith be, even when uh, required to under the, um, under the tortures of a regime that once ruled in Russia. And uh, he, he says, Earl Lee says this, what a privilege my wife and I had in August of 1991 when we hosted a group of eight people to go to Russia. In fact, we left Russia the day the Russian coup was on the front page headlines of our newspaper uh, that morning stating that Gorbachev was out and Yeltsin was in. And uh, we saw the tanks in Red Square in Moscow and when the tanks left, we traveled by train to Moscow. Following Sunday, we had the privilege of uh, being in the first uh, open service of an underground church that had been able now to hold their first meeting uh, in, in a public sense in 30 years. They'd been meeting in secret for 30 years. The service was five and a half hours long, but no one noticed the length because uh, people talking of God's grace to them and, and their experiences during the times of persecution in the past. A pastor was called up to give his testimony. He started by saying he didn't want to give his testimony for fear that glory would go to himself. But the group of underground pastors that were there with us wanted his testimony to be heard. So he told how he was saved and called to preach. The Russian authorities found out and demanded that he stop preaching and threatened that he'd lose his job because your jobs are assigned to you in Russia. And he refused to quit preaching even though the church could not pay him a salary and he lost his job. At that time, he and his wife had three young children, three young girls. The authorities arrested him and put him in jail four different times and demanded that he deny Jesus and stop preaching. Each time he refused to deny Christ and pledged his word that he would not stop preaching. He was arrested a fifth time and they told him that this time they would make him deny Jesus and quit preaching. They brought his oldest daughter in and put her in front of him and told him that if he did not sign a paper that uh, said he would deny Jesus Christ and quit preaching, they would literally put hot pokers in both of his daughter's ears and make her deaf, and then they would pull out her tongue and cut it off and make her dumb. While standing there looking at his daughter and thinking of the consequences, his daughter looked up at him and said, Daddy, don't you deny Jesus for me. He didn't, and they literally put hot pokers in her ears and cut her tongue out. They kept him in prison. After a while, they brought his next oldest child in, and because he wouldn't sign or deny Christ and stop preaching, they did the same to her. Kept him in prison still longer, and after... Uh, his third oldest child, they brought her in, did the same thing to her. Eventually, he got out of prison. I noticed that while he was sharing his testimony there that day, there were three adult ladies sitting together with someone that was signing to them in sign language. After the service was over, I asked our interpreter if they were his older children. He said, yes, they were. I asked if I could go ask him a question. She arranged for us to do that. The lady that was doing the signs told them, I wanted to ask them a question, and they said, okay. I asked him, are you not bitter at God? Immediately, three sets of hands began to move in unison with smiles on their faces. They all signed. That was just our reasonable service. And what a price these precious ladies paid for the cause of Christ. How incredible their spirit is after all they were subjected to. But indeed, they understood the truth of that passage that we are called to be living sacrifices. While I pray, he said, uh, Earl said this, while I pray that we never have to face such things 
in our homeland in America, what they faced and the challenges to our faith, uh, what they faced as challenges to their faith ought to challenge our faith as well. And the question is, are we, uh, are we giving God our reasonable service? So uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a reminder that, uh, yeah, we read about these things, these uh, saints, these unnamed, unknown saints of long ago, but uh, the testimonies are yet there today. Uh, around the world for those our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering greatly because of their uh, unwillingness to recant their faith in Christ. And so thank God for that. And let's us not, uh, not um, cause shame upon the faith uh, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by our testimony. Let's ask God to help us to be faithful as he blesses us and then to be faithful even when times uh, are difficult in our lives. Let's stand together, give an invitation if you need to come tonight. And um, like Paul said, you know, what more can we say? What more can we say? The testimony of faith. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we give an invitation. If you need to come tonight and use the altar, um, I don't know that I could do that. Uh, what that pastor did, I don't know that I could do that. But um, only God knows whether you and I could or not. But we want to at least think that our faith is strong enough that we would not deny our Savior and, and uh, reject him. Uh, and uh, make a public shame of him because of the threat uh, that may come in our life. So God help us as we, as we think of that. But God help us also as we live in the blessings of victory from uh, faith to faith as well. Th 542, Lord, I'm coming home. If you